The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to today's episode of The Bright Side. My guest today is co-founder of the brand Mad Happy, Payman Rath. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I wanted to have you on specifically because I'm a fan of the brand. Um, I actually live just off of Melrose Place, so I happened into one of your pop-ups probably, I want to say, a year ago. That was like the pop-up that never really went away, right? Yeah, exactly. And the theme of your brand is optimism, which is also the theme of this podcast. And one of my favorite things about your brand is how there's a focus on mental health. And I think that, you know, mental health has always been such a taboo topic. And I think what what Mad Happy is doing is making mental health a cool thing to talk about and something that people can feel more open discussing. So I just wanted to have you on to kind of talk about the inspiration behind the brand and what your mission is. For sure. Yeah. So I think you, you brought up an interesting point. It's like in 2017, when we thought of this concept around Mad Happy, one, we had this name that we felt like super passionate about, right? We felt like it was very relatable, like both to us, like as people, and more specifically, Mason, one of my co-founders had dealt with like a lot of mental health challenges growing up. And he was actually the first friend that I ever spoke about mental health with. So it was very fitting that he had thought of this name more of like a lifestyle of like trying to be optimistic despite the challenges of life. And at first there wasn't like a brand we were creating out of it, but the more we began talking about it, we were like, wow, like we could really create a brand first just around this name and really around the concept of positivity and optimism. And so we launched quite simply in April of 2017 with a couple of hoodies, a couple of t-shirts, a couple of hats. And the concept was really like, we grew up in LA where there's all these quote unquote streetwear brands and like they're very like negative messaging, uh, bad atmosphere in the stores, like not really positively like focused in any way and don't have like a larger mission. But we we're like, why can't we try to take some of like the cool elements that we enjoyed from that culture, whether it was like the exciting product, product selling out, the collaborations, and like make it a more like inclusive brand where like people feel good about walking in the store, people feel good about wearing the clothes and create a community around that. And a little bit after we launched, we started doing more stuff in the mental health space. And we were like, wow, like, first of all, it seems like the people in our core audience, like ourselves, even like, we're looking for somewhere to like talk about mental health, but there were no places to do that. There had been no brands that really like stood for that, or were trying to make that a real part of their mission. And so for us, it was like, kind of a perfect storm in, in a way where we were like, well, like we could be the brand that like has mental health as our mission. And it already made sense with like everything else that we're doing as a brand uh, in our product and our pop-ups and our content. So that's really how it came to be. Yeah. Cause you know, you made me think about how right now there are so many artists, especially musicians who are creating music that's where there's this theme of sadness and sadness has almost become a trend among artists, right? Like you have all these musicians who are specifically kind of reaching out to this audience of kids who are depressed or have, you know, some sort of negative emotion or experiences going on in their lives. And I think that they're able to connect with those people because they they can relate. But I think the messaging overall is a little more on the negative side. Yeah, definitely. Being depressed is cool, but in kind of a darker way. And so I feel like what you guys are doing is pretty much the opposite of that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a good point. It's like for us, like we always try to lead with positivity, lead with optimism. And and that by no way means that we can't touch on like the range of emotions that like anyone feels. Like I think we do a good job of talking about the darker side as well. But I think generally speaking with mental health, like when we think of that word, we only think negative and we don't think across like the spectrum of things. There's positive mental health, there's there's negative aspects. And then most of the time we're somewhere in the middle. So for us at Mad Happy, it's like about talking that about that full range of, of emotions. And like that makes mental health more easy to talk about, right? Like if you're not only focused on like the negative stuff, then you're able to talk about mental health in a more daily manner. Just like I could tell you I'm going to the gym because I'm working on my physical health and that's not weird. Right. It shouldn't feel weird to say like, oh, I'm going to therapy, right? But like that has like this like connotation of being negative. And so for us, like we, we wanted to like lead with positivity and that would get people, you know, in the door and, and following us and then be able to talk about like the full range. But really what Mad Happy is at its core is, is like the perspective and lifestyle of choosing like an optimistic path. And so like, that's definitely like our main message. Yeah, I actually try to talk about therapy pretty openly on this show because I think that it's something that should be normalized. And in fact, I, I was just, I had a guest on yesterday and we were talking about advice for people who are younger, you know, if like if we could give ourselves advice growing up and I said that I would say go to therapy sooner because you don't need to go to therapy just because you have a problem. A therapist can just help guide your path in life. You know, there are so many useful things and I think you're right. It has such a negative connotation. People assume if you're going to therapy that, you know, you're going to do something really bad, <laughs> but yeah. It's not like that at all. And I think that a therapist is such a useful tool. And I and I love that what you guys are doing is to help normalize it so that that's something a resource people actually, you know, reach out for. Yeah. And one more thing on that is like, I think like some of like the more mindfulness apps that came up over like the past 10 years, whether like Calm or Headspace or those types of things, they like were the first wave of like, oh, like you can do something to like proactively help your emotional and mental health. I think like the next wave of that is people understanding that like you don't just go to therapy like after you're dealing with something super hard, just like you don't start working out after you get injured, right? Uh, it's like about like putting these practices in place so that you can prevent these things from happening, right? Not from just treating it after the fact. I think like that's a message that that we've been trying to convey and and hopefully continue like getting people to like really see it that way. Yeah. How did the three, there's three founders, right? Three co-founders. So actually, yeah. So we actually have four co-founders. Oh. So uh, I'll, I'll give you the quick background story. So, so actually my brother, who's two years younger than me, him and Mason, another one of my co-founders that I was telling you about, they, they were both always super into fashion, had started a clothing brand together in high school. And they were always on like the more creative side. My brother didn't go to college and he, he was doing like celebrity styling and a bunch of stuff like that. And really that was like his education. And so when Mason had thought of the name Mad Happy and, and we were talking about the concept together, it became pretty clear that like they would focus more on like the, the brand and creative side. And then myself and Josh, who we had just met at the time through a mutual friend, would focus more on like the business side. So that's, that's the way we kind of came together. It's a little bit unique because like most companies don't have four co-founders. But I think it helped us early on because like there's, there's so much to do, uh, especially because we started rolling out a bunch of pop-ups that like having four people early on, like without that, it would have been impossible. 
Yeah, I think having opposite skill sets. I actually co-founded a company almost six years ago with a partner that who I studied abroad in college with. And we always said that that was one of our greatest strengths was that we had exact opposite skill sets. I did a lot of the branding and, you know, influencer relationships and that kind of thing. And she was responsible for running the day-to-day of the business and sort of overseeing all of that. And it was such a, that was a really strong dynamic. Speaking of how quickly you guys rolled this out, you, you essentially, at least from my perspective, you guys went from like, just, you just kind of appeared all of a sudden and you were massive. How did you do that? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I I think like, uh, it is funny because like it did happen in a pretty, fast way like we launched april of 2017 which is like three years ago which isn't like that little bit of time but i think in our first year like we really set the groundwork over those first nine months of like we did three pop-ups in the first nine months we were around just to like learn what was going on what products were even doing well like what people liked about the brand but then i think from there like we learned that like everyone was so like only focused on online and like our differentiation was like we could bring a store to life we could throw these like cool events, whether they're launch parties or like smaller panels on mental health. And like that stuff really started to help our brand grow because that stuff was then shared on social, which created this like flywheel effect of like more and more people finding out about us. And then of course, like last year is like probably like when like the most number of people heard about us as like we did that pop-up on Melrose that we continued to extend for a while. We did one in, in Soho in New York and and then we did another one in Aspen in the winter. And I think it's just like the brands continue to gain momentum across the pop-ups, across our content, across our events, and then like our collaboration side as well. So definitely been like a crazy three years. What has been the highlight of the three years so far? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I mean, I think like when we started this, it wasn't like we had this like crazy expectation of like, oh, we're going to create this like massive brand and like all these things are going to happen. I think it's been pretty cool that like, we, we kind of got to pick our own way of, of doing what we wanted, right? Like we didn't follow any specific path. Like our path, like no one had ever really done that before. Like no one threw that many pop-ups that felt like real stores just after launching. Like no one was throwing like these like huge events. And, and so we did that and we like learned so much from it. And, and then we're able to like craft our message way better and felt like the brand really started to like come together over like the past year. And so I think like having that time was super important for us. And it wasn't like we raised all this money when we started. So we were very lucky that we could like have time to like really understand what we were doing on like a super small budget so that when we did get bigger budgets, we kind of had an idea of what we were doing by that point. Yeah. Cause you guys, you guys must just be extremely smart because everything that you've done, I feel like everything's been so on point in terms of like just the location of your pop-ups even. Uh, obviously I've been to the one here in Melrose. I happened across the one in Soho. I just happened to be staying at the hotel right next door. And I saw that you had one in Aspen. I just remember yeah. thinking every, every single time I've seen you guys do something, I'm like, well, that's like <laughs> the smartest thing that they could possibly be doing. Who yeah, comes yeah, up with yeah. those ideas? Yeah, I think, I think another <laughs> unique part uh, of our brand, thank you, first of all, but I think a unique part of our brand has been like, we believe our brand is like worth a lot. So we definitely like only want to put it in like great positions to succeed and put it, position it exactly where we want. So like, we were never like desperate about getting specific stores or anything. We just like let good opportunities come to us. And if it made sense, then, then we would do them. Like, and when it comes to location, like that's like the most important thing for us. Like, I think that even on Melrose Place, like a little bit that way, a little bit the other way, we might not have done. And we got lucky that we were able to find a space that was great like that. But I think that's how we approach everything we do, like both across stores, content, partnerships, anything like that. It's just like has to really make sense. 
and everyone has to be on board and it has to like tie back to like our larger mission as a brand. So uh, I think that's how we've tried to approach it. Yeah. Cause also the aesthetic, it makes sense that you said your brother was in styling, right? Cause I mean, the aesthetic of the brand is really great as well. I feel like there's not one person who you couldn't find a piece from what you guys produce like that they wouldn't like. Do you have a dream collaboration with either a celebrity or just a brand? Yeah, um, I, I don't know if we, I, I don't know if we have a dream collaboration. I mean, I think that we believe that like over time, you know, like we expect to be doing this for like many, many years, and we'll get to do so many cool partnerships. I think for us, like in, in terms of like dream or aspirational, like we like and admire brands like Patagonia that really stood for something. For, you know, like it wasn't just about the product that they were selling. Just like we don't think we're just about the product either. And I think like understanding that and understanding how like a brand like that was so successful at it, like gives us hope that we can try to like make a real impact in the mental health space, which is of course like super complex. And like, there's no like one person or a company or a group that can quote unquote, like fix the whole thing. But I think we could play a large role in it. And so like, that's the stuff that like we aspire to be. Uh, but we don't really think about things as like dream partnerships and stuff like that. Gotcha. Because I, I was actually talking with a friend about your brand recently and she was like, I want to know if they, because I think we were talking about the, how are you feeling toolkit that you guys put together? And I was just saying that I thought it was, you know, really helpful and a nice thing for you guys to offer to your followers. And and then we were saying how cool it would be if you were doing sort of, sort of larger scale, which it sounds like you do workshops. I think you said. But I feel like this is something that could become on a large scale, even kind of conferences or events on a bigger scale for a younger demographic than normally attend mental health workshops. But is that something you'd ever want to do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think uh, our aspirations there are definitely very big. Like I think uh, our first iteration of content specifically around mental health has like manifested in our blog, which is called The Local Optimist, right? So like that's where we've been sharing like the how are you feeling toolkit and a bunch of other stuff, interviews, stories, just like amazing stuff from our community. Uh, and then as we continue to grow as a company, we'll add different content verticals. So whether that's like more video content, audio, different forms of content and, and see what our audience likes the most and continue growing that. And I think that in turn can turn into like different types of physical events on a much larger scale. So, so definitely something that's possible. What do you guys use as a resource for creating, for example, the How Are You Feeling toolkit? So we have a writer who's like a professional in the mental health space, like uh, on our team. And then we also work with like amazing organizations, whether it's like the Jet Foundation, which is a group that we've worked with a lot that does amazing programs on college and high school campuses that has like plenty of research that they can help us craft into a way that we want to present it. But there's just amazing organizations. And it's just about like, how do we take their message and like make it more applicable for like our consumer and like make it so that they want to read this stuff? Mm -hmm. Instead of like making it like the usual, like boring, like stats filled infomercial stuff. Right. And I think like that's the approach we've taken on, on like, how can you make the conversation cool and culturally relevant? Yeah. Speaking of current cultural movements in that space, what are your thoughts on cancel culture? I think it's like definitely something that like I've personally like been talking about a lot, actually, like with my girlfriend, I think like one thing I've, I've noticed is like, it seems like people aren't even allowed to like make like one mistake ever in their life, whether they're like eight years old or like 40 years old. And like, that doesn't seem like naturally right to me. I think that like a lot of the issue stems around like the internet is a place where like there are that, that 1% of people that like will try to like 
go after you for like any little thing you do, right? Like I was saying, like if there was no internet and like you did something that was wrong, like you could apologize and you could try to learn from it and like grow as a person. Now it seems like you have to like leave the company, like issue an apology. But like, what if at the time you actually didn't know any better and not to excuse like some of the bad behavior that's happening. But I just think that like, if you did something when you're in like eighth grade, (laughs) it's like a little bit different. And like, I think everything is like very case by case and and relative, but I think it just like, when you see stuff like that, like it just makes you want to like share less about yourself, which is like, I don't think it's a good way to approach things, but it just like makes you like more scared because it's like, if you are trying to like help and be like a positive force like in the world, but then like people are going to nitpick every single little thing you do, then it's just like, that's not good for like your own sanity, your own mental health. So I think there's definitely like good parts to people being able to be called out, especially those that need to be. But I think in some cases it goes too far and that part of it sucks. Yeah. I'm, I go back and forth on my thoughts on cancel culture because I have so many friends who've been victims of it. Sometimes it's for things that didn't even happen that aren't even real. So that's where I take issue with it because I think anybody can essentially make anything up at this point and can't and for get sure. someone canceled. And I think that also people who participate in cancel culture truly aren't aware of the effect that it has on the individual that they're attacking, especially I think in the case of, a, of somebody who's famous. But I worry less about that and more about how it, that's going to trickle down into the schools. And you're going to have, like you said, an eight-year-old who makes a little more, someone in eighth grade who makes a mistake and their whole class cancels them. And that's the kind, you know, kids at that age aren't equipped to deal with that kind of bullying. For sure. Um, and it's interesting that we've had such a movement against bullying, but really cancel culture is exactly the same thing, just in a different package. Yeah. And I think like, uh, there's, you know, there's a difference between, um, like, like something we talked about is like, there's really good parts of social media. And then like some of like the bad parts are that like, it increases like the rates of bullying, right? Because like you're behind this like computer screen. So you can kind of say whatever about your classmates or whoever. And so like that part of it is like super hurtful and like very bad for people's mental health. And so I think like that taking to like the extreme is something like cancel culture, right? Where like, if you did something wrong and, and you apologize about it, that doesn't make it okay. But like, I don't think that like your whole life should be over if, if it's like a mistake that you made and that you owned up to and that you're actually going to work on improving. And of course, like everything's relative, but I think like, it's just like very, it's just very tough for people to like want to continue sharing stuff about themselves. If like that, that's such a risk. And like you said, like some of the stuff is made up, right. And it's like, how do you even, say that 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 stuff's not true with anyone believing you like they're obviously not going to believe you because like they're telling themselves like a specific narrative so i think there's going to be people that like try to like hurt other people no matter what and i think you just have to like focus on your intent as much as you can yeah some people can use that to their advantage if they just have a vendetta against someone which is kind of scary well of course you've been following the everything that's been going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. And because, you know, you're in Los Angeles, we're kind of at the center of a lot of it. I think in so many ways, there are so many positive things about what's going on. But then also, of course, there are a lot of people who are being called out for their behavior. And for example, this week, a couple of the cast members from the show Vanderpump Rules were fired for some of their behavior in the past. And I think this was something that I was discussing with a friend yesterday, which was, you know, um, 
one of the women was fired from the show, dropped by her agency, dropped by her PR firm. You know, she's been canceled online. And, you know, in fairness, I'm, I didn't, haven't personally witnessed what her behavior was, but it sounds like, you know, it wasn't great. But I think to your point, what is she supposed to do to make amends for that? Because she's apologized, she's put out statements. To what end is this going to keep going? It, I feel that you could almost find something that anyone has said at some point in time. Anyway, you know, I'm kind of passionate about cancel culture at the moment because I just feel like it's, it's just has such a strong position right now in our lives. Yeah, I mean, I think just like to, to close that loop, I would just say that like, like you said, like it, at some point, everyone's made a mistake. And, you know, if you did that on purpose, then that's one thing. But mm-hmm. something that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I think that that's like a big part of it as well. I think the internet and phones and cameras like help tremendously, especially in this like Black Lives Matter movement, like be able to like show people in real time, like some of like the really bad stuff that's going on in our country. And that's going to be like a big motivator and social force behind creating actual change, I hope. But I do think that everything taken to an extreme, there could be negative sides to it as well. And I think like the issue is that like, there's no balance, right? Like there's no line that people draw, like there's no line in the internet. Like Mm -hmm. people will just keep going through like no matter what. And unfortunately, like some people like will get it really bad, right? And I think like maybe that in turn will like make other people really think before like they act in any way that, you know, could be depicted as like something that's not right. And and maybe that ends up being a positive, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't put myself in those shoes and I, I definitely don't know how they're feeling or how the people that they insulted are feeling either. So right. yeah, that's I guess point. it's not for me to say. Yeah, I know. I just find it. So I, I am just trying to kind of formulate whether I think this is something that we should be campaigning against. Cause I do actually think that there are at times reasons why it's good to be able to kind of call people out for their behavior. But I think it just, like you said, there's no specific line that we can draw. And that's something that we've got to figure out how we're going to handle going forward. For a brand like yours, how has this period of first quarantine and then this social movement in our country affected you guys? Yeah. I mean, I think that for us, like we, uh, during the beginning of the COVID time, it was our first time having to shut down our office. So that was definitely a transition. And then we're used to doing a lot of stuff in person, whether that's at our pop-ups or, or new pop-ups or events or, or whatever. And I think like we definitely had to make a transition to doing more stuff online. But I think like we were very used to that, right? So in April, we ran like an Instagram live series called Together Apart. And we did we did these like Instagram live lives with like Deepak Chopra and like people on the meditation side, all the way to like some cool TikTokers just talking about like the effects of mental health during quarantine. I think that was super powerful and people really liked that. In May, we did like a big mental health campaign around a mental health daily question. And we had people answering the question from all over the world, which was awesome and got over a hundred million impressions on on that campaign. So one of like the larger uh, social campaigns around mental health ever. And, And so that was cool. And I think like had a bigger impact because everyone was at home and because everyone was on their phone. And then I think for us as a brand, like this Black Lives Matter movement has been super powerful for us as a company internally to like learn and see that like we can play a role in change in the world and and people do look to us to like put out a statement to show support and to continue supporting down the line i think we've supported the black community 
from the very early days of our company and we'll continue doing that. But I think it's like, we definitely want to be like more intentional about it and, and be able to really like point to numbers, point to our internal team and point to like specific things that we're doing over time. And so far we did a product release and donated proceeds where we're doing, we're working on a big campaign with, with different black artists uh, that's going to be announced in a couple of weeks and, and just continuing to support the community in whatever way we can as we continue to grow. Yeah, it's almost quite a responsibility that you have now that you've got this brand that everyone's looking to for guidance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing is like, we're also all like very young. And so like we're, you know, I, I just turned 26, my brother's 24. And and so our team is like generally very young. So like we're we're very much in like the thick of it, but mm-hmm. like we also don't have that much like experience or even life experience. So we're trying to like learn as much as we can and take it in and and try to like act accordingly. And I think like it's hopefully gonna gonna be great in the coming years. Yeah, what a time to be growing a company and at your age too, right? <laughs> like it can't possibly get more unpredictable and sort of volatile than it has been the last few months, right? Yeah, definitely. Speaking of that, have you what was the biggest challenge that you encountered along the way in building this company? Yeah, I think it, in any startup, like there's so many challenges, right? I think like specifically in the clothing industry, like we're super fortunate that our company is based in LA and that we produce currently almost everything in LA, right? But I think like the hard part of, that we didn't understand was like the complexities around like the supply chain and, and really understanding that with the timing of when we wanted to release product. So that was like definitely a huge hurdle. And then as we've continued to grow, scaling that while scaling like our actual internal team, like that's something that we're working on every day, right? Like learning like where our biggest needs are, how do we hire people that are great at things that we don't know much about and that we really need support on. But I think every day is like a new challenge in a startup. And I think that's part of the fun part of it, right? I think Mm -hmm. if you don't like that side of things, then like probably a startup's not for you. I feel you. I've been in those exact same shoes where it's like, you know, also one of the best qualities of a leader, of course, is knowing how to delegate and, you know, but it's hard when it's your baby. You don't like to hand things off, right? Um, Well, well, where can our uh, listeners find you guys? Obviously, madhappy.com and at madhappy on Instagram. I think a cool resource is the local optimist, which is localoptimist.com and at localoptimist. I think like we've, we've done a good job of like creating content there. That's like very relevant to like our age range, but really talking about more specific stories in like the mental health space. And we're going to be continuing to add like new types of content there. It's free. It's always going to be free. It has nothing to do with if you buy stuff on our website currently. Uh, and, and we always want it to be that way. I'm personally, uh, just on Instagram uh, at Payment Rav. But yeah, I think like we're, we're just super excited. We think it's like super early in what we hope is like a very impactful company, both on the content side and on the product side. And so excited about the years to come. Yeah, I'm really excited for you. And I honestly just can't wait to watch because I know you, you had such a strong start, but I know that your company is just going to keep going. Like it's going to be really, really great. So I'm very excited for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit here with me and talk. And I really learned actually a lot and appreciate having the opportunity to get to know more about Mad Happy. Of course. Thank you for having me. That was great. Thanks. Bye.